Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. This is episode 419 of the show. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about deloading and why you shouldn't be skipping your deloads. A lot of people overlook this in their training because maybe they're not competing in a sport or they don't take programming that seriously. But it's super, super important to do the deloads prevent injuries, reduce diet fatigue, have less accumulated stress to your body. And for more reasons, I'll go over in today's show. Uh, It's something that proper programming should include. And it just very, very much so improves the longevity of your training and your dieting, something that should not be overlooked. I'm Jordan Stoltz. And this is another episode of the Fitness, Food and Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, everybody, Jordan Stoltz here back with another episode of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about deloading because this is something that I don't necessarily ignore and it's not something that I've been slacking on, but it's definitely not something that I pre-plan as much as I have recently and I'm seeing a lot of benefits from it. A lot of my episodes and topics are based on my own experiences and benefits I see in my own training and nutrition and I'm seeing a lot with deloading. So um, kind of how I've structured it in the past is to do, you know, a program and kind of let life dictate my deloads. That's always been kind of my philosophy on it is I would typically rather take three days, four days off from the gym than do a planned deload with less weight, less reps, less sets and all that. Um, so... That's kind of how I've done it in the past. Consider it like active rest. Just when I need a break from the gym or something, I'll take three, four, maybe five days off in a row and just do other stuff like walking, hiking, biking, things like that, and get back with it again afterwards. Um, That's kind of how I've approached it in the past. Recently this year, 2022, really focusing on science-based training and actually including planned deloads. And I just finished my first one. Um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, kind of how I'm approaching that is for me, planning it roughly to be around week five of every little training cycle. So uh, we have, you know, four weeks of accumulated training, getting more volume in every week, more weight in every week. And then um, that fifth week or so, do some kind of deload and uh, recuperate the body. So I'm following some guidelines from different resources and wanted to make sure I give them credit because this isn't the Stoltz Fit method of deloading. This is um, a couple different people's method of deloading. So um, how I deload and how you could think of a deload week in your training. And to define a deload, it's just essentially lowering the stress in your body, right? So you're decreasing volume, decreasing weight, allowing you to rest and recuperate, and then hit it again with another training cycle after that week. I follow Juggernaut Strength's guidelines for deloading uh, because I find them really easy to follow, really simple, and 
um, kind of um, fitting a lot of different types of programs, I guess. So uh, the first half of the week, you do half your normal sets and half your normal reps. I always do half of the sets and reps of the last week of training, so which is usually the highest set and rep week. Um, so that's for the first half of the week. And then the second half of the week, you do the same, but you also split the weight in half. So this can work really well because if you have four days of training, you can do two days with half sets and reps and then two days with half sets, reps, and weight. If you have six days, you could do it three and three. And uh, it's really simple to structure that way where you can kind of plug and play. And this with my, I actually do six workouts a week, but I did my deload week as only five workouts and just combined a couple days because the sessions are so short. And that was just because I wanted a more of an active rest day in there. So that's what I follow. And then I also follow Renaissance periodization's recommendation of moving up to maintenance calories during a deload. This is something I never did uh, because, you know, you kind of have your training goals, you kind of have your diet goals, and they're somewhat separate a lot of the time. But, um, you know, they made a good point over at RP where they were saying that to really get the effects of a deload, like, what are you trying to do with your deload? You're trying to recover, right? And recuperate and get ready for another trading cycle. To do so, you have to be fueling your body properly. So going up to maintenance calories is the move. And I found that to be really beneficial as well because it kind of serves as a diet break if you're in fat loss calories. And if you're in muscle gain calories, it also is somewhat of a diet break to lower calories a little bit, gets your appetite back, and you know, you're not really training that hard anyways so it makes sense to lower calories in that case so that's roughly how you would do it that of course would depend on your program as far as cardio is concerned i would keep any low and moderate intensity cardio in but eliminate the high intensity cardio since that would hinder your recovery even more so why deload you know this episode is titled don't skip your deload so what are the benefits of deloading why should you be doing them um, you know, obviously someone who's competing in a sport or training for an event of some kind or an athlete would want to do proper programming, deload, you know, peak for competitions and that kind of thing. But why would you listening to this podcast who maybe doesn't compete in a sport and just training to be healthier and more fit? Why would you deload? Well, I have five reasons for you. Number one is reduced diet fatigue. So I had talked about in, I believe, the last episode where I experienced a significant weight plateau at 187 pounds, was losing very consistently, didn't see any weight loss, really stalled out, and um, I wanted to give an update on that because I think that this is very important as a lesson for you on how stress and even good stress from training can affect the your weight, right? And yes, I talked about it in episode 418 of the show. I was plateaued at 187 on 2,400 calories and doing a lot of training. I finished my week four of training, which was the highest weight, highest intensity. And my theory from episode 418 was that that extra accumulated stress, pushing training really hard, taking 10,000 steps a day, all of that added together was kind of keeping my weight elevated, holding water. And three days into the deload, so by Tuesday of the next week after that episode came out, 
I had raised calories up to 2,700, so 300 calories more per day, and was more just intuitive with the walking, not as strict tracking steps and stuff like that, so probably was burning a little bit less calories, and then did the planned deload as I just talked about. Within three days of doing that, my weight was down to 185, roughly, 184.8 or something like that for a low weigh-in for that week. So dropped an easy two pounds just from decreasing the stress in your body. And this is pretty common. This is something that people will see on vacations, breaks from training, and yes, deloads. And it's just because you build up all of this fatigue and uh, fatigue with training where you're holding water from the training specifically and also diet fatigue where your body is just under a lot of stress and pressure from staying in fat loss calories bringing those calories up to maintenance for a diet break, and then also reducing training and reducing the stress on your body oftentimes will result in weight finally dropping and you getting through a plateau. It's working all these little variables. The second benefit of deloads is just less accumulated soreness and stress. I started to, um, I, I started to feel the effects of the accumulation of my training by week four. So um, by week, even the end of week three, and definitely all of week four felt more sore throughout the day, had more aches and pains, like, you know, a little bit of lower back achiness sometimes waking up, maybe a little stiffer, bending over. Um, Training was more of a struggle to push through. It was definitely more willpower needed. And then um, even my sleep was affected, which probably also affected my weight plateau, but sleep was affected a little bit because of the added stress to the body, right? Because of all that accumulated work, taking some time off and reducing the volume really allowed me to fix all those things. And now I'm ready to go again for week one of the new training cycle. Benefit number three is that you actually have better progression on the next training cycle because we can't progress forever, right? You can't add five pounds to the bar every single week for the rest of your life or everybody would be bench pressing 700 pounds. It doesn't quite work that way. You have a limit and a ceiling to your progression that you can do before you need a break. And this is true for everybody. Um, I find that deloading, taking dedicated time to not progress and actually back off allows you to take more steps forward the next time. When you are unable to progress further, you deload and you're able to progress again. So for example, just to give you a quick um, example of what I mean, let's say I am incline bench pressing, which is something that I did in this last training cycle. Let's say I start at 185 for whatever set of, you know, whatever rep range I'm doing. That increases to 195 the next week, week two, 205, week three, and 210 for week four. Make a smaller jump in week four maybe because I'm starting to get that soreness and stress. And do 210, I couldn't complete my reps that I needed to do for 210. So if I'm getting 12 reps every time, maybe with 210, I only get to eight. And that is obviously some kind of plateau or stop and progression at least uh you know one method would be to rotate that lift another one would just be to deload and go at it again afterwards starting again after the deload i'd probably start more like 
190, 195, and you work up from there, and you're probably going to end your next cycle on 210, 215, 220. So you're able to kind of progress and wiggle things up. You take a step back to take multiple steps forward. Uh, the next one is fewer injuries, uh, the accumulated stress. This one's shorter because, you know, like I say all the time, the only way to really prevent your progress is to either fall off the wagon completely or get hurt. And that accumulated stress is going to catch up to you. You can't keep pushing heavy weights forever. And it does a lot of good to take some dedicated time to recover and get ready for another training cycle. And it actually helps you be more intense because at a certain point you start getting aches and pains and nagging things that just don't let you push it as hard. But if you actually take the time to take a step back and then accumulate again, you can push it up to that week three or four and you won't get hurt because it's such a short amount of time. And then the last one is that sometimes it's nice to have time off from the gym, right? You don't, maybe you don't want to work out 52 weeks a year. A really good way to deload is to time it with your life a little bit. So, um, for example, I had a little procedure done on my hand last week and I decided to do my deload the same week as that hand procedure. So I didn't have to worry about lifting weights with a sore hand. So that was kind of timed with life. You could do it with vacation where, you know, you train up to vacation, vacation's your deload week, you just do some push-ups and rows and pull-ups and walk a lot on vacation, call it a deload and come back again the next week. Um, holidays, if you don't want to be training all the time, maybe a busy week at work, all these things you can structure to make yourself still progress and stick to a good program, but uh, with less, you know, less strict adherence to the gym. All right, so the question that you probably all have since you know how to deload and why to deload, how often do you deload? Well, I've been using the example of the fifth week. So I will train for four weeks, deload the fifth. I find it is a bit easier and simple to pre-plan when you're going to do your deloads because you can write out your whole program. You know it's coming. It's nice to know you have that break coming up and you can push harder up to that. But technically, the correct way and the correct answer would be deload as needed. And uh, when you fail to progress, you can't hit the reps you're supposed to hit. You can't increase the weight for another week. Then it's time to deload. That might be after three weeks for some people. It might be as far as eight weeks or more for some people. It depends on your experience level and the calories you take in and other life factors as well, like how much stress you're under at work and life and everything. Uh, all these things play in, but typically it's every four to eight weeks. Um, I like it every fifth week. It's very simple, and I can progress really nicely up to the, up to there. Sometimes I could maybe push it another week or two, but I just find it to be more simple to plan it out that way. So because it's more of an open-ended thing, you have to pay attention to the signs. Pay attention to the training stress and those accumulated fatigue signs that pop up. Like I mentioned, sleep problems, your weight stalling on the scale, lack of progression in your training especially, and also those nagging pains and injuries like elbow achiness, knee achiness, um, you know, little back achiness if you bend over. Things like that are telling you you've accumulated a lot of stress and need to take a break. So it's not something that a lot of people think you need. And for a lot of people, they 
don't realize they need them until it's too late and they get hurt or they just plateau forever. Um, it doesn't set you back as much as you think, right? It's hard to take time off from the gym. It's hard to actually use half the weight that you're used to using and doing half the reps you can. But, you know, I always say it's what you always do, right? It's the average of what you do most often for your progress. And if you're training 52 weeks a year, um, you're probably not going to be making progress for those 52 weeks. So what I find to be better is if you have 52 weeks available of training for the whole year, 10 of those should be deloading, right? That's roughly every fifth week. And that's still 42 weeks of progressing and training. It improves your longevity so you won't get injured in that time. It keeps you on the program. It gives you a nice break. It keeps you from getting sore and stressed and um, really fatigued. And overall, I'm finding a lot of benefits from it. So I encourage you to not skip your deloads. And um, I would definitely put a focus on them in your own training. They can be simple. They can be complicated and just... Be sure you're taking a break every month or so. That's the gist of today's episode. If you ever need any help with your own training or nutrition, you can reach out at saltsfit.com slash contact. And a written version of this episode can be found maybe in 24 hours from when this is released on saltsfit.com slash blog. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time. 